0: On the GraviDAO podcast this week, I am pleased to be joined by Genie. he is the founder of the Atom Vault DAO. They are building institutional decentralized solutions to a lot of the custody issues going on in Web3 today. Genie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you, Rick. Hi, everyone.
0: And before we get into Adam Vault and everything that you're doing there, do you mind just giving the listeners a quick background of yourself, where you're coming from, how you got into the crypto space, why you got into the crypto space, and then maybe some of the intro story of how you began the Adam Vault journey.
1: Sure. Um, I actually came from a tri background. I started my career from Goldman Sachs. I did like in asset management and M and A. So I'm. Uh, pretty like into like structuring corporate governance and so on. Um, so my another job right now is like the managing partner of Altif, a roughly half a billion asset manager uh, in Asia Pacific region with offices in Hong Kong, Singapore and Australia. Um, so I, I started my first crypto investment in 2017, first buying Bitcoin, um, then adding some more Ethereum but then um, we 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 um, as a firm we started to be more serious about um, like the whole crypto investing since um, like 2020 we invested in BlockFi, uh, uh, FTX. Um, the 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 latest investment which is pretty interesting is like uh, we invested in the first uh, crypto bank in Switzerland called bank mm. um, So we let the seriously run, and I'm now sitting on the board. And again, like being on the board of a bank, like that makes me uh, highly alert to like governance issue, corporate governance, how to protect investors and so on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, great background there. What I really appreciate is when people come into crypto, especially in pre-2020, I feel most of them were retail background or they were from an institutional side, but there's really only retail availabilities and solutions and options. But you were bringing that whole experience of being from the institutional world and from an institutional mindset. And now you're... Helping put some of the making it a little bit more accessible, I think, for institutional investors to uh, go forward and, and have access to a lot of tooling that really was only ever designed for retail. And because of that, there was a lot of missing features. Um, take take that now, and then transition it into Adam Vault DAO. So, where did this idea come out of? You know, what what was the spurring behind this? The inspiration? Why did you say, okay, I want to find figure out? easier solutions and a decentralized solution for institutions to get into the space because I know that it's kind of probably a harrowing idea for I think for a lot of institutional players this idea that you're giving your rights essentially over to a group or just a, a decentralized network And then how the team come together what was the founding ideas behind it just, just give me a, give me all the info.
1: Sure sure like that, that links to your, um, our, our work at Altif. Uh, since we invested in like uh, quite some like crypto projects, we also like started to know more people from the industry, especially other like crypto managers. Like they, they often would come to us and say because like most of them would not be licensed, uh, but but we are like the licensed entity in Hong Kong, Australia. So they would come for a partnership and see if we can help them build a fund, sell their funds to our like network of like family offices and private banks in the region. Uh, but then like after some exploration, what we realized is like the traditional fund structure doesn't really cater for uh, for, for crypto investment. So we started to imagine, okay, if there's any chance that we can like, like scrape the whole traditional architecture simply using smart contract to achieve the same purpose or even doing a better job. Uh, that's how we start to explore the idea. And I guess I don't, if, uh, that also like brings us, of course, like, naturally to the idea of investment DAO um, that also becoming a very hot topic like in the industry on how we are using DAO to disrupt the VC industry. That sounds great. Uh, but then, the, the deeper we look into the space, like there is one thing that like 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 triggers like 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 that touches my nerve, and I can, I don't really feel comfortable. Um, that's again goes back to investor protection and governance. Um, mm. Right now, most of the DAOs, no matter they are like project DAOs or like investment DAOs, like um um you may have a decentralized voting off chain, but after all, the treasury would still be centralized on the, uh, the on the few multi stakeholders. That's kinda of the efficient way to do things right now, right? Uh, but then that's exactly the reason why we have the three free arrow events, like like with like free arrow, not really like like segregating like client or like 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 a counterparty's asset, uh, so that they will have the power to steal their uh, the, the, the client's asset. That's really bad. And that's basically the the whole blow-up point of our industry, right? So, so I, I, that, that, and for enhance them, I think, okay, like, is there something we can do better? After all, we are a decentralization industry. Why would centralized treasury be there? Like, why, why shouldn't we also decentralize the treasury? So that came up to the whole core philosophy of Adam Vault. We want to be a decentralized treasury management system, that um, um, to ensure that even the treasury is decentralized and is safe enough. And it's efficient enough for everyone in the community to spend on.
0: Hmm. And you can go into that a bit more. What is a decentralized treasury? What does this mean? How does this work? Can you just walk me through? If I was running the... Uh, <laughs> my Our founder and I, Elo, we have an idea for a collection called Lunked Apes. Let's say we start Lunked as referring to the Terra, uh, <laughs> Luna Classic. <laughs> and we have our Lunked Apes DAO. And we have a Lunked ape treasury, and we want to keep it in the Atom
1: Vault DAO infrastructure. How does this work? Walk me through it. Sure. I guess like the first thing we emphasize a lot on decentralized treasury is like the decision making power. Um, it's always a balance between efficiency and protection. Um, so, of course, like on one hand, we have like like DAO tool like Aragon that requires like every DAO members to vote on every transaction. Even if you're just spending a penny and trans- transfer it to somebody, you need everyone to vote. That's kind of not really working. It's not efficient. Um, so that's why like, right now the industry tends to go towards more the approach of having like, like a few trusted um, like team members to multi-set the, multisect the, the, the whole treasury for everyone. Um, sometimes, of course, you can have m- multiple treasury, but usually just one or two. Um, and because I use, you think like the few people may not be totally trustworthy, so you may ask them to go to Certic to KYC their own status. So once they pool and run away, Certic will file to the police. But come on, like isn't that still centralization? <laughs> and after all, um, we still see rapu happening every day. We see Certic announcing someone has pool so that they have like sent the KYC record to the police. It's not really protecting It's kind of violating our whole core nature of like of, of a trustness network through smart contract and programming codes right mm. so what we believe here is like we, we need to take a balance so we have a budget control system we ask for every penny spent to be voted and agreed by the community so that's the protection part but then you can set the budget in a smarter way with more flexible parameters so that it builds a trust that, oh yeah, I really want you to just to do that thing. And that thing is like broken into smaller pieces enough that I I think nothing would go wrong. For example, if I want you to spend, um if I want to appoint the marketing team to spend some ad budgets on Twitter, one uh, $100 each and maximum like $10,000 a month, if I can set budget to this specific level, then I, I, I would not really be worried about like, like, like the, the, the executors that are randomly spending the money and the executor basically has no chance to rap me. So that's the protection and efficiency we're taking as a balance. So that's the first step we see in a decentralized treasury. And the second part is going even deeper and more interesting. Um, so so um, I'm not sure how many people in the industry realize that when we are doing smart contract, like, 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 like programmable money, we're actually shaking up the concept of custody. Um, right now, of course, we still have a lot of custody solution. That's actually not custody of tokens, custody of private key is another issue.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: then um, the, going back to the ownership of your digital money, um, in, 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 at least like from all I know in the asset management world, we emphasize a lot on the role of custodian. Like for like, like, like going back to the case of Three Arrow, um, um, it's bad because like, like Three Arrows doesn't have a custodian. So like it can do whatever it wants and is running away or like stealing clients' money away to, to just to cover up its like like, like ex- exploded position. That's bad. So that's why for all the regulators in the world, if you are a regulated fund manager, your fund has to put your asset with your custo custodian. That's kind of the protection regulators think you need to have to protect investors. But then if we are rethinking about the whole concept of blockchain from first principle, we realize um, with smart contract programmable money, custodial arrangement is not necessary. You can still have your money on your hand in a smart contract set up. Then you can grant a mandate through programming code to the executors, to the managers, so that like, they will have the right to take money from you just like all those auto-payment instruction. But their is mm. still on their hand. You can always put, like, like, pull the money, you can do whatever you want with your money, just that when your manager wants to spend the money, you have pre-approved them to spend it. That's a non-custodial, self-custodial concept that really changes the legal relationship between you as an investor and your investment manager. I think it's a very important concept. But then, like for more all of the like like DAO or like investment DAO or like like treasury management system out there, they're not really leveraging the the, the benefits of this non-custodial arrangement, and um, so 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 they're not really decentralizing. More, all of them are still okay. I'm now giving you all the tokens I want you to 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 do for me mm-hmm. without any condition, um, and you may means me a token, but then still like I've passed the total legal. Like, like, like ownership and, and usage right of the tokens to you. That goes back to the issue why most of the projects right now, if you want to go to the exchange, the, one of the questions they ask is, do you have custodian? Because even the exchange would be worried that you, if you don't use a custodian, you'll be pulling the community. Yeah, but going back to point zero, why would we need a custodian if we can self-custodial? So that's why in our Adam Vault treasury, um, each of the DAO members has, has an option to put money into its own smart contract account. So it's segregated from all the other members. It's your money. Um, but then the, uh, the budget approval is a way to confirm you allow the executor of a specific budget. It could be anyone or any team appointed to take a piece of your money on a prorata basis on that specific mission. Because of that, we build a trustness relationship through the budget, um, while like, we, we keep everyone's money segregated. Um, that has a really big um, regulatory implication. One very important thing is like, this in the traditional asset management industry, we call it a segregated account, or a discretionary management, or separately managed account SMA. With this kind of arrangement, because like, it's no longer a single pool of money gathering everyone's money together, it's more a direct one to one relationship between the client and the manager because of that auditing and custodian arrangement are not required by any regulators for this kind of management um and imagine how big it is. Um, hmm. many of the DAO out there many of the invest crypto managers out there are still worried oh yeah like i want i want to build a dao but i'm i'm crazy looking for the right auditor that, that wants to take my job to audit my my my, my crypto portfolio I have to pay extra money, a lot of crazy money to custodian who is actually just like to be my multi approvers. approvers. No, nothing about that anymore. We should really take lab, advantage of blockchain so that we are really collaborating with all the other fellows in the DAO in a self-custodial way. That's our thesis.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredibly important what you have envisioned here, and that is, Right now, with the point of failures that not only occur in, in custodial solutions, but also, I mean, we're seeing it in bridges and exchanges themselves. But people just don't know how to properly organize and structure a lot of these funds or wherever they're holding a large amount of money. And as you mentioned, if you have a multi-sig wallet, enough people want to act in nefarious ways, that could be an issue. Or if you're running a bridge and one of the locations on the bridge, one of the endpoints is not secure, that's another issue. Um it, we we despite being a decentralized ledger and a decentralized network we still have centralized points of failures especially with things such as private keys which is just 24 words that could be uh you know written down or or if some some cases you know people were having their iCloud uh, automatically upload their metamask private keys and so that right there i mean even the savviest crypto users and investors might and defi users who know everything and know the proper ways of keeping their funds safe before you know it they're the ones getting scanned they're the the ones getting their accounts hacked or at least uh, funds taken because their keys are out in the open if somebody was able to hack into their icloud account so yeah definitely an important important area to go into and figuring out how can we get rid of this this point of centralization and a decentralized system um so I, i guess to clarify a little bit so say my my Dow has its Treasury in Atom Vault and we do want to make a, a major withdrawal. We need to be improved by the Dow itself and maybe this can bring us a little bit into our governance area as well uh, and maybe some of your thoughts on what it means for decentralization and, and some of that aspects but so, say I do want to make this massive massive withdrawal and is it going to be up to a majority vote of the DAO members? So are people incentivized to then vote on this for withdrawal? Do they get paid in some sort of ATOM token? Can you give me some of the the ideas behind the governance? Why people want to not only participate, but then how are they safeguarding other funds? funds?
1: Yeah, I, I think here... Um, we, we actually have a lot from uh, to learn from the traditional corporate governance, like mm. or we may call it organizational governance. I think like annual budget is kind of like the, the, the compromise approach we have developed over the last 3,000 years. Um, we, we want to get a broad enough mandate that we can spend on, we can use so we can be extremely efficient, while like we still have to report to all the stakeholders on what's going on. So annual budget is a good approach, right? So I guess here what, what we want to do is um, usually, like, like so, so what we want to achieve here is like, A, you go to get a big enough annual budget from the overall community. You get a majority approval from the community to approve your budget. So that's kind of like how we have been running usual companies nowadays. Then within the budget, it can be a really big budget, uh, but then like, uh, the, within the team, the team will have the right to further break it down to smaller pieces that can be spent by each individual member, each individual team. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, because it's totally on-chain, transparent to everyone, if the overall community, shareholders, stakeholders, token holders realize you are misusing the budget. For example, I, I grant you $10 million for the overall spending this year, but I don't expect you to, to, to just deposit $10 million to somebody yeah. else. I expect you to break, okay, $2 million to marketing team, $1 million to... Uh, like like on 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 general admin, uh, like five million on development, for example. Uh, like the community will expect you to further break down the budget, and likely back to the the, the, the very original point. Like we likely the community will expect to see very small budget. Like the marketing team can spend hundred dollars a day. That kind of small budget, mm-hmm. that kind of day day budget. So that's how we are setting up like the overall like budget and payment structure that we, we see it like, 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 like legitimate and, 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 and feasible. If you don't do that, there is the right for the community to take away the budget. OK, you are misusing the budget. Let me take away. So very likely, when when I grant you the $10 million and if you immediately try to submit a 10000001 million one-way-out one, one budget, the community will stop you and take away the budget. So it's kind of like the check and balance reasonable.
0: Don't want to get your hand caught in the cookie jar. (laughs)
1: That's, That's
0: one way to put it. So if the community does say, okay, you are clearly misspending this and you haven't properly broken it down and we don't like what you're doing with these funds and we think there's something shady going on here, what does that process look like? Does somebody in the community come forward and put together some sort of proposal saying, hey, we need to shut off this address right now for making any transactions? And then if that goes up to a vote, is it just a majority vote? Is it a two-thirds majority vote? What have you thought about in some of those
1: process? Yep. Yep. Um, so so I guess like like to retrieve um, so so here that, that goes to the point, like in again, like in a usual company setup. Um, there, have, there will usually be a three threshold on, on voting, um, like simple, simple items, like simple majority, significant items, 75%. Items that would impact some of the investor, right, usually will hit up to 90%. So we have a similar mm-hmm. setup like this. Um, like when you step it down, you can decide which category the, 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 the voting option should be in, um, how serious that could go. Um, So um, if it's like a a approval of budget should be majority, uh, withdrawal of budget should also be just simple majority. But then of course, if we're seeing some um, like 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 uh, unfriendly member in the DAO, that if like the if we we really want to kick him away, I think that would require like 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 significant majority, usually seventy five or ninety percent, depending on how the DAO set up the rules themselves. So, so, so in, in in corporate governance rule, usually the, the, the mentality is, um, like like uh, usual manage, managerial issue, simple majority. If it impacts somebody, right, we want to make sure it's not the, the tyranny of majority. So we have mm-hmm. to go to more extreme number of majority, not just like uh, like simple majority.
0: Yeah. So I guess but... it
1: goes back on like a lot of the democratic like like principles we have experienced in all those government systems kind of works here.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people often discount some of the aspects of corporate governance. And as you mentioned, we have basically a couple thousand years of people (laughs) figuring some of this stuff out. And obviously, more recently, in the last couple hundred with the invention of of the stock market and all of that. But yeah, the idea there that we, we already have a lot of these systems in place. And while they aren't perfect, and there's definitely things that should be tweaked, there's still ideas and people have really thought this through as to how you have... A large sum of money or a, a large business that is producing uh, and overseeing a, a workforce and how you can organize them to make sure that shareholders have uh, influence on the operations and that so it doesn't become some sort of tyranny of the majority or hostile takeovers and all of that crazy stuff that can occur. And um, if, you're, if you're not properly thinking some of these processes out, and as we know in crypto, if you... You have fifty percent of the network, and somebody just buys up a large portion of tokens or whales concentrate. You also need safeguards against that. So um, definitely uh, appreciate hearing that and, and thinking through some of the governance aspects. And mm-hmm. then I am curious to know because you know you mentioned decentralization a lot, and I know the idea of Adam Vault is looking at decentralization. So what does decentralization mean to you, and why are you hoping to help spur it? What was some of the inspiration behind that?
1: Sure, sure. Like decentralization means a lot to me, just like how everyone in the industry is is, is thinking about it. First of all, of course, it's like like the, 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 the fair monetary system everyone can enjoy, permissionless kind of things. I, I truly believe in that, especially in an organizational setting. Like I, I've been going through the process of setting up of my, my own startups, my own SME, like, like setting up like a company and a bank account has always been a p- very painful process in most of mm. the country. Um, so providing a, can, almost like a permissionless, like like corporate or commercial banking service to organizations, I think is necessary is human rights. Of course, like, after all, we, we usually have to compromise to make sure we're not becoming criminals or supporting criminals. So some sort of KYC may still be necessary or some sort of like protection um especially organizational settings that you can always come up to the consensus within the organization right so that's why we will also have kind of like the soban token system that that's how we define teams um and so so you can whitelist like like the DAO if it is more like like protective in nature so you you can only allow someone with so a, a specific soban token to do certain action so if things go wrong like you can still by voting taking taking away somebody's soban token
0: you mind going into detail about what proof of humanity is and how that's going to be implemented into the entire vault structure?
1: Yeah. I, again, like I, it's just a simple like capture module. Like, so, so we're combining a capture module with, uh, with again, Soban token concept. So then we can verify whether an address is a human or a bot. Because again, like on, mm-hmm. on governance, the, the, the biggest risk here is most likely a governance attack. Um, and and that's exactly what you you mentioned. Like okay, like like if we want to avoid like the fifty one percent token attack, somehow one of the ways is of course like there's a more democratic approach to voting. We let's not take like one uh, one token one vote. Let's do it one account one vote. But what if um like somebody like or, like creates like a thousand balls and create a thousand accounts in the DAO? Um. So on um, the solution to that is like we can have like a humanity check on each account first label the wallet to make sure uh, like like well, uh, we're, we're, it's non-transferable so it's not something like like the the, the account holder can, can 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 play tricks then we can make sure we have like a thousand members and they're all human and so we, we were not receiving like bot uh like governance attack
0: and for listeners who aren't aware of proof of humanity it's a very decentralized system I, I guess using the definition of decentralization you gave it it's a system where for the most part there's no data you don't really upload an id uh, you just there's 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 a video you have to submit i believe i think that's the most intense you have to give but then other people then vote on that in social proof and there's some system in which they can detect whether or not you're sp- trying to spoof it and get around it so it does open up a whole plethora of opportunities for those who want to ensure that it is one person one vote or a mix of one person and they have x amount of tokens you could do some sort of hybrid model but it, it It allows a little bit more flexibility and it does prevent the bots and the spamming and all that garbage that could occur if somebody really wanted to uh, get access or or take control of of certain aspects of a network um i do want to ask you as well just just looking at maybe the broader overview of institutional money in web3 right now And this is getting a little bit further away from adam vault but I, i think it'd be important to provide listeners some context about where we stand right now and that is where are we with the institutional commitment and participation in crypto. Are we in the very early, early stages? Do you think institutions are just waiting for something to happen? I mean, we are in the early stages, but how far how far in that process do you think we are? Are people just waiting on the sidelines to get in? I mean, what's your opinion and take on some of this?
1: Yep, um, so I guess like, let me put some context into it. Um, like in like when we say about institutional investor, we usually talk about the pension fund, insurance company or software funds. Um, they usually would, would would follow a like sixty percent uh, bond or equity, then like thirty percent, uh, like like fixed income, like or like like five three that kind of like ratio split between like the mm-hmm. equity and the bonds. Then they usually will spend twenty percent in so called alternative investment, private equity, private credit, uh, like private real estate and so on. And right now, I guess I like, even the most frontier installed in the world I know some pension funds in US they have already started investing in digital asset it probably is uh, just like one percent of the 20 percent so it's kind of like, uh, like like two bips. Uh, uh, so it's yeah. a fair, fair 20 bips, it's a very tiny amount um, mm-hmm. so I guess um, I would expect when digital asset becomes a, a, a significant enough as a class even with just within the all space, it should be like two to three percent of the overall portfolio, not like one percent of the twenty percent. Um, so, so I guess we're still like thousand times away from 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 the expect like reasonable as allocation. So we're we're really early. But of course, like, we 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 need to see a lot of different things to happen. One thing I'm not sure how to guess about the timeline, but I I feel like it's coming. Is like all the institution. They are so scared because after all they are having like trillions of dollars in the balance sheet, they will not make the stupid mistake of like because of that, like 0.02%. So they have to make sure mm-hmm. everything is clean, uh, allow regulators so that they will move forward. Uh, but then I, I see it, I see the recent crypto winter as a good news because I, it pushes the regulators um, to really do something. It's, it's not, no, no longer the time they can ignore the, the industry, it's now too big to be ignored. And they in they now see that if they don't add, they'll be put on political blame that they don't do something and, and cause like the, the, the retail investors to lose money. Um, that's why we see um like like that like, like they have been pushing forward and make it quicker on the stablecoin legislation. That is very important. Once they clarify on the legality of stablecoin, I think crypto payment is coming and crypto will really become a, a day-to-day thing. Um and and they are also like like accelerating the the virtual asset service provider like VASP licensing all around mm. the world, um so that like you now can have, have a proper way as a asset manager to trade or like to 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 enjoy your crypto digital asset services. That's also very important. Um, so I would see like given like, the speed of the regulator, as soon as like within two years time, like even like the most conservative. Uh, institution in the world will start to think oh yeah it's now the time is safe enough to involve in this game so um so so i would be pretty optimistic and i think like it has accelerated like the the funny thing is every crisis we see actually helps accelerate the growth of the industry
0: yeah absolutely and once again when it comes to regulatory issues you hope that they figure it out and sit down and these is things that don't happen overnight. And I think that's another thing people need to, to keep in the back of their mind. And I hope by, I mean, an eight year timeline here, 2030, that we have reached a point where we do have a solid regulatory framework. And here in the U S we know what is a security, what's not a security in terms of digital assets. And I think, Quite honestly, I, I hope that we eventually just have an own its own classification of, of of asset instead of trying to mix it into definitions that were literally written in the 1920s. But internationally as well, just seeing how um, I think it was, it's it's the FATF guidance, and then you see you meant, mentioned mentioned the, the the VASP licenses, which is another aspect that people have to keep an eye on. So all these things are coming together, and there's going to be need for solutions. But I do agree with you that it's going to really take a little bit more regulatory clarity and probably some more solutions in terms of custody and auditing and how do you get these things to be done transparently so you don't have to worry about it last minute. Um, I think a lot of institutions just don't want to deal with the headache quite yet and the worries that could be, here goes my billions of dollars worth of assets that were just stolen in one go because someone someone, some, someone some, didn't write down the 24 words and put it in the safe. They put it somewhere else or they lost it or whatever. So yeah, a yep, lot of those I, issues that need to be figured out certainly. Go ahead.
1: Yep, I, I guess I I want to emphasize one thing uh, is going back to the point on custodial and non-custodial, because it's such an important legal concept that would change basically mm-hmm. the whole game. Um, like like well, from what happens to like the, 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 all, the, all those like block five Celsius blow up and 3AC blow up, we can't have a sense that traditional way of regulation should also be applied to all the five Because like the risk exposed are pretty much the same bad risk management should be controlled. That's why we need banking license. At, like almost everything around banking license is like the capital adequacy ratio. That's why, that's how the banks have been discussing for like almost like more than like 10, almost like 20 years since like the global financial crisis on like how much capital rate, uh, how much cash banks should keep in the bank account instead of like over leveraging, over like like like, like lending. Like, and because all those non-bank lenders, they didn't have this regulation, so they blow up because they have risk management, right? And also like I like said, like, 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 like regulators require asset managers to have custodian because I try to uh, prevent the managers stealing customer money. And that's unfortunately what happened to 3AC. Um, so I guess here, mm. um, but then the, another interesting thing is like the regulators start to realize DeFi is a different animal. Like we've seen the blow up of like all the C5 lenders but DeFi lend- lending protocols are totally fine. Uh, regulators recognize that in just like it's the, the most recent G20, uh, like, like treasurer meeting. Um, and again, that goes back to the point, DeFi is safer because it's really safer. It doesn't have like the third party risk, the, 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 the counterparty risk, the custodial risk. Like money still on yourself or like it's locked in a smart contract wallet, it will execute excel it exactly as it is programmed. So it reduces a lot of the risk. Right now, regulators don't really know how they can regulate DeFi yet. But most of the regulators appreciate that the self DeFi really thinks it's the next generation architecture of the overall financial world. I think that's important. Um, and, and, and the self-custodial nature makes it really difficult to, to, to properly legislate and regulate because of the laws don't regulate programming code. Re- laws regulate human like or like legal mm-hmm. persons. Could be a corporate or it could be a natural person, but it has to be somebody. Programming code is nobody. So it creates a, kind of, a, a very difficult legal question for the regulators to figure out who they are actually 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 regulating. Um, mm-hmm. But then, but then it's, all, it's also going back to the core of um of 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 the of the disruptive innovation we're doing on blockchain. Self-custodial money on ourselves. Um, and I expect and I, 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 I really encourage the regulators to really think about the non custodial form, really take out unnecessary like, like regulatory requirement on DeFi because it's really safer. Um, programming code is really sup- superior than a human custody approach. Um, so, and because of that, I, I guess I, 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 I tend to think um, right now uh, that also goes to the point of right now. Um, all those projects, yes, they may or may not be securities. But if it's a centralized treasury, I think like you know, regulators, everyone should treat them like a normal company, and the regulation on securities and normal company, like private equity or public equity, should also apply. Because again, your money will be totally on somebody's at hand, and we should rely on those like like hundred years of experience of how we should like control those people taking full ownership of your money on how they spend the money. Um, that's why they need to do auditing, that's why they need to do financial report to, um, to, to, um, to, um, to the exchange or to the, to the securities authority before they can issue to the public so that they can't fake their accounts and so on. But then again, going back to the point, if we really start to accept a decentralized treasury, then I will also argue for any projects running on decentralized treasury, we should be accepting a totally different set of regulations. Because I, I, don't, I now don't need the, the, the help of the government or the auditor to help me prove my system is safe from fraud and scam. Um, and in this kind of like decentralized system, that would really go back to more the part of it is an organic ecosystem that may really become more like a commodity than things with securities nature. Um, so, so, so I guess I like hear with, with the industry definitely needs a lot more discussion on, especially this kind of like decentralized organization, decentralized treasury discussion. So we can really focus on what kind of protection investors really need.
0: Mm-hmm. And then going to your point there, you look at crises like in two thousand eight, where no one knew who owed each other what, and it was a total mess. And that's the beauty of something such as DeFi or just decentralized ledger technology in general is that you can actually view these things in a transparent manner you know who owes what to who that's all out there and then you hope we did kind of see with the most recent blow up of cefi with somehow some of the problems occurred with otc trades and uh between terra and um celsius and also uh 3ac all these areas all these areas were, were were very much centered on, on OTC trades and stuff that was not necessarily being reported on chain, and we saw, we see how that goes. Um, so we hope, we, I hope to see that we have sensible, sensible regulation that makes it a very distinct between something such as like a blockchain network's treasury versus a DAO's treasury versus someone a DAO who might be having more of a centralized treasury solution where maybe they do have to do a little bit more reporting, but if they have a decentralized treasury then they have a bit more freedom since it's easier to to see an audit and it's it's just open to the public. Um I, I, I do have I have optimism that we'll get there, but I do think we are still probably probably a few years away at the very least before we even have serious regulation or, or people who are in government who even understand what's happening to begin with before we see some of the stuff. But I'm, op- I'm an optimist. I, I think we'll get there. I think just the way the space is going and I think the people who are involved right now, I, I think they're very much, they're, they'll be the ones who will, I hope to, I hope they educate um, the regulators and, and help guide these discussions as long as governments are willing to have this conversation. Genie, I want to start getting into a couple of our wrapping up questions here. Um, and the first one I want to ask you is looking forward on your timeline for Adam Fault. Where do you guys stand right now, and do you mind giving maybe a one-minute, two-minute pitch on some of the more recent developments about what you're going to be building?
1: Sure. So, uh, as I said, we're a decentralized treasury management system with budget control function. Uh, our, our code has already been shipped for smart contract audit, so it should be ready for a mainnet beta launch in around three weeks' time. So, so look out, guys. Um, and and of course I will continue to develop we, ex- we appreciate all the feedbacks during the process the next major breakthrough is likely happening in uh, September or October we are moving to layer two so from day one we designed the system because we know we're not like like pooling everyone's money together so if it's a a thousand people down we really need to keep a thousand se- segregated record that is Gas fee expensive. I have to be honest. So that's why, like the only feasible approach is like to put the major record on layer two, while like maintaining the asset on layer one. And the way to do so is that we're we're integrating with layer zero. Like the OmniChain like communication mm. protocol is amazing, and because of that, it also creates a, a, a side benefit for us is we'll be having like the main record on layer two, but we can own more than just asset on uh, Ethereum mainnet. We can only own it on Avalanche. We can own it on, uh, like like near, uh, Polygon, all those EVM compatible chains. So it's mm. actually an Omni chain, cross chain, uh, smart contract wallet. So I guess it's also another breakthrough in the industry. I don't think anyone else, uh, has released th- something like that. Um, and then hopefully also like around that timeline, we'll also have, have a have a have a plan to connect with like the real world payment capability, and and we're we'll announcing more details like closer to the timeline.
0: Awesome. Uh, I, I think she th- said three weeks, and I think by the time this will be published, it'll be a little bit sooner. It'll probably be closer to one week by the time this interview comes out. So people who are listening, definitely keep an eye on that. And then I also have a note about your share to earn campaign. Do you mind quickly giving an overview of that?
1: Sure, sure. So um, what, what I see is thou is basically a, a, a tokenized community. Um, and and I, I always appreciate that Like like for communities to grow um, like 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 it involves a lot of uh, It involves some incentive system around how members can refer more members to John. So that's why we have a two-layer share to earn campaign. The first layer is uh, anyone that uh like like refers a like a, 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 a DAO to open their treasury on Adam Vault. Both the refer uh, the, the introducer and the and the treasury opener they can both get rewards. Uh, on Adam token so that's the first layer of share to earn mm. and what we do as a second layer is um, the, um, the, the, the DAO can decide whether they want to give incentive to anyone sharing their DAO to someone else um, so, so there would be a project they can approve then um, anyone can, can can log into the DAO, uh, click the share link then they would uh, automatically generate a a, a a wallet address specific affiliate marketing link. So anyone clicking to the link will record that's the contribution from that specific wallet address then we'll we will assign the DAO token um with the specific like affiliate marketing reward amount to the affiliate marketer so we hope to create this kind of like ripple effect like in in the DAO community uh, because uh, we, we, we we all want to bring our friends to to join good communities and of course that wouldn't be helpful. That would actually be even happier if I can get reward by introducing my friends to John.
0: Very nice. And hopefully it gives you some good organic growth boost right there. Chini, I want to appreciate all the information you've shared today. But before we finish off, I do want to ask you a fun fact question. And this is something that not related to crypto, just for people to get to know you, a bit outside of the Web3 space. And the question I have for you today is, What's a place you wish to visit on your bucket list? So some place you haven't been quite yet, but you hope to get there one day soon.
1: Yep. Um I, I I love history. Um so I've always been a fan of like the 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 um the history around the general Hannibal Hatter. Um like he is a general at like a a a, a totally disappeared place called Carthage. Um that's kind of like around like the the, 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 the northeastern corner of Africa and opposite to Rome Um, Mm -hmm. I I always love how Hannibal tried to do something seems almost impossible and even when at the edge of failing like Roman like like soldiers getting in the the, the village killing everybody else he was still there so I guess it shows like kind of like the courageous um, like like, like mentality we all have in the industry right where we're fighting to the last man stands and we'll still be there to protect our vision
0: that's great. So you, so it'd be, it'd be like the northeastern Africa, some parts of the Middle East yeah, as well.
1: Around Tunisia, like it's, it's yeah, it, there's a Carthage ruins still there, but um, physically it should be in Tunisia.
0: Very cool. That's a great place, and I, I, hope you're you're able to visit soon. That's um a nice little history lesson for anyone listening as well. Chini, before you wrap up here, do you mind just giving listeners an overview of where they should go to learn more about Atom Vault? Uh, what's the best place for me to send them some of the links and then yeah i'll make sure to have them in the show notes as well but it's always good to hear from you too but what's the best way to get involved uh
1: so the best way to uh to do it is like go to our apps uh, website www.adamvos.com hopefully you are showing it here <laughs> um and then also like you can visit our twitter um, um you can also search Adam Vault and you can see us on twitter as well
0: Great. And whether you are listening or watching this episode, I will make sure to have everything down in the show notes. Chini, I really look forward to seeing what you guys make out of this. I think you have the right ideas in terms of looking at the issues currently going on with institutional investors in this space and DAOs as well, and figuring out how you can best manage, make it as transparent as possible, and then eventually if the issue arises, make it regulatory compliant. So I appreciate your time and coming on to the
1: Gravity DAO podcast. Thank you, Ray. Thanks everyone. Hopefully to see you in one of the dials on Adam very soon.